You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at John chapter 16, verses 5 through 15, and quite a few other Scriptures as well, and we're going to be talking about God the Holy Spirit today. But before we take a look at those scriptures, just a couple quick things I wanted to share with you. First of all, I want to invite you to our website, which is desirejesus.com. At the website, you'll find our blog, our online Bible studies, our bookstore, our devotional resources, links to both of our podcasts, and a link to sign up to be on our weekly newsletter. We send out our weekly newsletter each Tuesday with just a word of encouragement, a brief devotional, and links to anything that's new on the website. So be sure to sign up for that at desirejesus.com. Get on our newsletter list, and we'll be happy to send that to you in your inbox. And speaking of inbox, I received some words of encouragement recently from some of our listeners, and I very much enjoy having the privilege to hear from you. Some of you I hear from, and you don't live that far from where I live, and some of you live in completely different parts of this world from where I'm at. This week I heard from some folks here in the United States, and I also heard from a listener in the UK. So thanks for reaching out. It was great to hear from you guys this week. And I also want to make mention, if there's any way that you'd want us to pray for you, whether you want me or my wife or my family uh, to be lifting you up in prayer during the course of the week, be sure to send us a message. We'll be happy to do that. Always enjoy praying for those who listen to the podcast. And I'm certain that if I ask my family to join me in prayer for whatever needs you bring up, they'd be happy to do so. Now, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, today we're looking at John chapter 16, verses 5 to 15. And we're going to be looking at quite a few other scriptures as well, and we're continuing our look at who is God, and specifically today we're talking about God the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about God the Son, the previous week we talked about God the Father, today we're talking about God the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible handy, you can open up with me to John chapter 16, and this is what we read starting with verse 5. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege that it is to be able to read it together today and to meditate on its content and to learn more about your nature and your plan and your will for humanity. 
Lord, we're grateful that you include us in that plan, and we're grateful that we have the privilege to learn about the work that you are accomplishing around us and the ways in which you're ministering to us. Holy Spirit, we pray now that as we take a look at this portion of Scripture that describes what you're doing, that we would understand these things more fully and more completely. And we're grateful that we have the privilege to have access to your word. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Not long ago, I had the privilege to hear a recording of a speaker who had a solid understanding of family dynamics. She was speaking about a family that had two children. One of the children had special needs that required a considerable amount of work and attention. The other child didn't have those same needs, and unfortunately, he started to feel starved for attention, he started to feel unloved, and he even started to feel forgotten while his parents provided care for his sister. Thankfully, this issue was brought to his parents' attention, and they began taking steps to correct it in a healthy way. Ironically, when it comes to the Trinity, those who believe in God can sometimes make a similar mistake to what this family was making. We learn about and focus on both God the Father and God the Son, but sometimes we can be guilty of forgetting about God the Holy Spirit altogether. Some even go so far as to treat him as if he isn't God or doesn't possess personhood and the intellect, emotions, and will that come with it. But let's not make that mistake. As we look at what the Scriptures tell us, we can learn amazing things about who the Holy Spirit is, and what He's doing for us, and how He's seeking to guide the direction our lives take. He makes a point to unite us as the family of God. So let's not make the error of forgetting Him, or forgetting about His union with the Father and the Son. So at the start, let's talk about the Holy Spirit's divinity and personality. This is what we read in John 16, starting with verse 13. Let me reread it. It says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. When I was a brand new pastor, my wife and I lived in a very small apartment over a garage in the middle of a very rural area. The church I served had a small building that didn't have an office for the pastor, so I used a room in our apartment for an office. And one afternoon, there was a knock on my door. And when I answered it, I was greeted by a couple people who were involved in a well-known cult. I engaged them in conversation for a few minutes, and among the things I realized through talking to them was the fact that they did not believe in the divinity or in the personality of the Holy Spirit. In their unscriptural beliefs, they treated the Holy Spirit like an energy force instead of treating him like the third person of the Trinity. And I did my best to communicate the truth to these people, but I'm not convinced that they were very receptive to that truth at all. Well, when we look at the teaching of Jesus and the general counsel of God's Word, it becomes quite clear that the Holy Spirit isn't a force, but a person. 
The Spirit is united with both the Father and the Son. The Spirit is God. I imagine that for some people it would be easier to consider him a person if he used a more personal-sounding name, but Scripture makes his identity as God clear in multiple ways. In John 16, which we just read, Jesus told his disciples that the time was approaching when he would be returning to the Father. When he did so, he and the Father would be sending the Holy Spirit, who would aid believers in multiple ways. As Jesus speaks of the Spirit, he doesn't speak of him in a generic way, but in a personal way. Jesus refers to the Spirit as he, not it. And he makes a point to inform the disciples that when the Spirit came, they would benefit greatly from his presence. In time, particularly as the events recorded in the book of Acts took place, the disciples began to understand more about the Holy Spirit. As they experienced his presence, and as they watched him do miraculous things within them and among them, they testified to his divinity. One of the clearest examples of that testimony is found in the events recorded in Acts chapter 5, where Peter makes it clear that the Holy Spirit is indeed God. Let me read that scripture to us. Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4 say this, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. So Peter, in this portion of Scripture, makes it clear that the Holy Spirit is God. The Scriptures in their totality make it clear to us that the Holy Spirit is God and that he is the third person of the Trinity. And Scripture also makes it clear to us that the Holy Spirit is presently doing a great work among believers throughout this world. So let's talk now about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. In particular, the Holy Spirit convicts hard hearts that they need to repent of their unbelief and trust in Jesus. He helps us to understand the righteousness of Christ by bringing to our attention the fact that Jesus rose from death and returned to the Father after defeating the obvious effects of sin. He also helps us to understand that through the work Christ accomplished, Satan has been judged and the full effects of Satan's eternal condemnation will soon be realized. Again, in John 16, verse 8, Jesus said, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Scripture also tells us that the Holy Spirit has a ministry of regeneration. He regenerates those who trust in Christ, meaning he facilitates our new birth. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, we go from being dead in sin to alive in Christ. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, it says this, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also sanctifies believers. 
To be sanctified is to be set apart as holy unto the Lord. When we trust in Jesus and receive the gift of salvation, the Holy Spirit sets us apart and produces holiness in our lives. As He does so, we're given the privilege to reflect the Lord's heart in our interactions with others and in our service to Him. I like what we're told in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, where it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So the Holy Spirit sanctifies. He sets apart. The Holy Spirit also empowers believers in their daily walk with Christ. You and I have not been asked by the Lord to follow Him, testify about Him, or serve Him in our own limited strength. We are supplied with power as the Holy Spirit works within us to accomplish all that the Lord directs us to do in our daily walk with Him. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says it this way, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Jesus also made it clear that the Holy Spirit teaches us. He gives us understanding into what the Word of God is communicating, and He helps us to remember what we've read and learned. There are many moments that I could point to in my life where I was convinced that the Holy Spirit brought a particular Scripture to my mind right when I needed it most. And that's one of the things that he does for believers. In John 14, 26, Jesus said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. We're also told that the Holy Spirit guides believers. He leads us into the truth, he gives us discernment, and he points us in the direction he's calling us to go. In John 16, verse 13, Jesus said, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Scripture also makes it clear that the Holy Spirit brings us comfort. It isn't always easy to live as a devoted follower of Christ in the midst of a fallen world. So the Holy Spirit comforts us in the midst of the challenges we may face. Likewise, when our hearts are grieving, the Holy Spirit delights to console us and remind us of the good that is securely held in store for all who trust in Jesus. In Acts chapter 9, verse 31, this is what we read. It says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. At present, Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is at work in the world as a witness to him with the goal of bringing Christ glory. In John 16, verse 14, we read, He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit is also participating in the work to build the church body. Believers are being strengthened, believers are being sanctified, believers are being built up, and believers are being unified by the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22, we read, 
In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Something else that's particularly interesting that Scripture reveals to us happens to do with the Holy Spirit's indwelling. Now, during the Old Testament era, the Holy Spirit would temporarily indwell certain believers to help them accomplish something specific. During this era that we live in right now, the Holy Spirit indwells all believers from the moment they trust in Christ. He lives within us, which then makes our bodies his temple. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, we read this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. The Word of God also makes it clear that the Holy Spirit baptizes believers. When we practice water baptism, we're participating in a visible symbol of something the Holy Spirit has invisibly accomplished in our lives. The moment we trusted in Christ, we were identified with Him, and we were made part of His family, the Church, through the invisible baptism accomplished by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says it this way, For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. Scripture also tells us that the Holy Spirit seals believers. We are confirmed as belonging to God and marked as His possession forever by the Holy Spirit. As believers in Jesus Christ, we can now be confident that nothing can separate us or snatch us away from Him. We belong to Him forever, and the Holy Spirit has sealed everyone who genuinely trusts in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 says it this way, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. It's fascinating to consider the many ways the Holy Spirit is ministering to us daily. Now, with all of this in mind, Scripture cautions us not to do something toward the Holy Spirit. Specifically, we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. We're not to bring that kind of grief or sorrow to Him. It's told to us this way in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. We're told, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Knowing that the Holy Spirit is God, seeing from the teaching of Scripture that He isn't a force but a person, and experiencing the many ways He is ministering to us, we should be mindful to honor Him by moving in the direction He's leading us to go. But sadly, just as we all have the capacity to grieve those who love us most, so too do we have the capacity to grieve the Holy Spirit. Every time you or I engage in sin, we're displaying the fruit of unbelief. We're showing that in that particular area, we're struggling to trust that Jesus is sufficient for our needs. The Holy Spirit who lives within us is grieved in those moments because He is continually testifying to our hearts that we don't need to go in the direction our old sinful nature is trying to implore us to go in. We have the capacity to grieve the Holy Spirit, but we don't need to. On the contrary, 
We've been empowered to trust in Christ, to experience the comfort of the Spirit, and to enjoy the blessings of salvation that our Heavenly Father ordained in eternity past that we would experience. There's one other thing I want to point out to us today that Scripture encourages us to do in regard to the Holy Spirit, and that's this. We're told to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? What is this filling that Scripture is encouraging us to experience? What does it look like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says this, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, as we mentioned earlier, all believers are permanently indwelled by the Holy Spirit. But not all believers are presently living as men and women who are filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is to be controlled by or fully surrendered to Him. This concept conveys the kind of idea that all areas of our lives are filled to the brim with His presence like a cup overflowing. Many Christians, unfortunately, aren't experiencing the fullness of his power and presence because they're presently quenching or grieving him while choosing to go in a direction that isn't in line with his leading. But God's will for us is that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit and that our lives as those who trust in Christ will joyfully and powerfully testify to his presence at work within us. I don't know if you've struggled in the past to appreciate who the Holy Spirit is and what he seeks to do for us as believers, but after looking at these scriptures, I hope your appreciation for the Holy Spirit's identity and ministry has grown. Going forward, then, it's probably wise for us to begin asking ourselves the question, will I spend my life grieving the Spirit or being filled with him? How do you intend to answer that question? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love, and we thank you for your goodness toward us. We know, Lord, that we don't deserve the many ways you've chosen to bless us, but we're grateful for all that you've done. Holy Spirit, we know that we have the opportunity to grieve you or to be filled with you. We pray that in your grace and in your mercy, that you would facilitate within us the desire to be filled with you. Lord, help us not to go in a direction that is the opposite of what you desire for us. After you've done so many wonderful things for us, Lord, it's a shame to think that we would spend so much time grieving you. So, Lord, please help us to be mindful of the fact that you have called us to walk with you day by day, seeking to please you as you empower us to do so, looking forward to the kind of future that you have in store for all those that you call your family. And help us, Lord, to make a point not to grieve you by adopting a mindset or an attitude or any sort of practice that represents or reflects unbelief in our heart. We thank you, Lord, that you can accomplish that within us. We pray that we would fully submit our lives to your care, and we commit ourselves to you now and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, we invite you to visit our website, which is desirejesus.com. And at our website, we have a whole bunch of things that we hope will be helpful to you as you seek to grow in your walk with Christ. And while you're over there, don't forget to sign up to be on our weekly newsletter. There's a link to do that right there on the website, and we hope you'll take advantage of that. That'll be in your inbox, most likely each Tuesday, as I try my best to stay consistent to send that out. But we send a word of encouragement as we send a brief devotional, and we also include some links to any new content that we have on the website. But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and we look forward to catching up with you again right here next Monday. Take care. Has fear stolen your peace? I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, helping you fight your fears and grow your faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.